0: الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره نعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا إن يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم وبارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون أَمَّا بَعْدْ فَإِنَّ أَصْدَقَ الْحَدِيثِ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ وَخَيْرَ الْهَدِي هَدِي مُحَمَّدٍ وَشَرَّ الْأُمُورِ مُحْدَثَاتُهَا وَكُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدَعَةٍ وَكُلَّ بِدَعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي الْنَارِ We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we praise Him and we ask His help, and we seek His forgiveness. And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil inside us, and from the evil consequences of our bad actions. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides, no one can misguide. And whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves to go astray, no one can guide. I testify that the reason who got to be worshipped that Allah and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Wasallam is the messenger of Allah, who was the most knowledgeable, educated person about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not sleep. And it does not befit his majesty that he sleeps. He lowers the scales and raises them. The deeds of the day will be resurrected to him before the deeds of the night. And the deeds of the night will be resurrected to him before the deeds of the day. Hijabuhun nur. His veil is light. If he were to remove that veil, the light that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will burn all the creation. Brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, فإذا سلخ الأشهر الحرم فاقتلوا المشركين حيث وجدتموهم وخذوهم وَاحْصُرُوهُمْ وَاقْعُدُوا لهم كل مرصد فإن تابوا وأقاموا الصلاة وآتوا الزكاة فخلوا سبيلهم إن الله غفور رحيم Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said But when they forbid in 4 months are over then fight and kill the pagans wherever you find them and catch attack them stay waiting for them in every stage but if they repent and establish regular prayer and practice regular charity then make it easy for them and Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is oft forgiven and Most Merciful this is, brothers and sisters, one of the most frequently quoted verse in the Qur'an. Chapter number 9, verse number 5. Some of the commentators of the Qur'an, they call it the verse of the sword. Terrorist groups cited this verse, or used this verse in order to justify their violence. Critics of Islam, they claim that this this verse convinced Muslims, to behave and act aggressively against all non Muslims. Is it true? Before we answer this question, we have to tell a story. And the story is the story of Rasulullah. <coughs> From the day that the Prophet announced his Prophethood until the day he left Mecca and migrated to Medina, the Qurashi persecuted him. They took advantage of every opportunity that arose to mistreat the Messenger of Allah. And that's why most of the verses that being revealed during that time encourage and order the Messenger of Allah وسلم, to be patient and forbade him from losing hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for example he said and be patient with them be patient with them no matter what they say about you and keep away from them in a beautiful way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said, <laughs> And be patient and follow the command of your Lord, and do not obey neither a sinner nor a disbeliever among them. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala also said. مَا قِيلَ لَكَ إِلَّا كَمَا قِيلَ لرسول مِنْ قَبْلِكَ That which has been said to you, it also has been said to the Prophets before you. So the Prophet had no choice but to be patient, and not to lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But during this time, brothers and sisters, everything was common. Verbal abuse was common. We know every time that the Prophet وسلم, sometimes when Rasulullah ﷺ would pass by their gathering, they used to make fun of Rasulullah ﷺ, the people in Quraish. They used to make fun of Rasulullah ﷺ. They used to mock Rasulullah ﷺ, saying Here is the son of Abu kabsha He is spoken to from the heaven. Also physical abuse was common. And we know that Umayyah ibn Khalaf is bad on the face of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We know that Abu Jahl, he used to encourage non-Muslims, he used to encourage the people of Quraysh to harm the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam physically. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud narrated a hadith that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once was praying around the Kaaba, And Abu Jahl said, look at that person who is performing for show. Which of you will go to so-and-so and slaughter his camel, bring the, the entrails of the camel, the blood, the filth, and the remain of its womb, and come here and bring it and place it on the shoulder, and the back of Rasulullah sallallahu wa They did it. They start mocking Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam, laughing so hard that they start to lean on one another. This ill-treatment and persecution did not stop. It actually became even worse when the Messenger of Allah migrated to Medina. In Mecca, the Prophet wasallam was subjected to curses, mockery, uh, physical abuse. But when he migrated to Medina, it became even worse in the sense that armies start to attack the Messenger of Allah They start to attack the Muslims in the new territory of the Muslims. And the Prophet ﷺ had to defend himself. He had to defend his new territory and defend the safety of the Muslims. And he continued to do that for five or six years. Until one day he saw a dream. And we know a dream of a Prophet is a revelation from God. In that dream he saw that he was performing Umrah. So he got up in the morning, he announced it to people, everybody was so happy, especially the muhajirin. they were extremely happy. That's their hometown. That's where they were born and raised. They loved it a great deal. The Prophet ﷺ left Medina towards Mecca, and he came in a place called Al-Hudaybiyah, 10 or 15 miles away from the Kaaba. When Kresh found out that Rasulullah sallallahu is in Al-Hudaybiyah, they start sending delegations, they start negotiating with Rasulullah sallallahu they thought that the Messenger of Allah came to attack them. But Rasulullah sallallahu assured him that his intention not to come and fight, but to come and pray and perform the Umrah. They didn't believe Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam, delegation after another negotiating with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wa sallam, they ended up signing a treaty which is called the treaty of Al-Hudaybiyah. Briefly they finalized the treaty, and this treaty stipulates the following. Number one, both parties have agreed to put a hold on the war for a period of ten years. Nobody's harming one another for ten years. Number two, anyone, any Muslim who wants to come to Mecca to perform Umrah or Hajj, he has the right to do so, and he should be safe in his blood and his wealth. The same also applies to the people of Quraysh, if they want to go for a business trip or something, pass by Medina, they will also be safe, and they have the right to do so. Three, Anybody who wants, any third party who wants to enter into an agreement or alliance with Quraysh, he has the right to do so. Any third party who wanted to enter an agreement with the messenger of Allah they also have the right to do so. Any person who converted to Islam and joins the camp of Rasulullah without the permission of his guardian, the Prophet has to return him back to Quraysh. But if anyone if from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's camp abstayed and left Islam and joined the camp of Quraysh, Quraysh don't have the, they don't have to send them back. Number 5 is that they will have to go back to Medina without entering Mecca and they come they can, they can come next year and perform umrah and stay in Mecca only for 3 days. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam agreed looked at fair treaty to the Muslims. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called it victory. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called it victory. <coughs> it appeared that, that it contained unjust and harmful conditions for the Muslims. But it's a true implications though, which the Muslims couldn't see at first glance, that they were extremely positive and that's why the message of Allah was very accommodating with Suhaid. Suhaid ibn Amr the one who signed the treaty with him during the negotiation. Four years later, the treaty was violated. What happened? Well, Quraysh violated the treaty. What did they do? They helped their allies, Banu Bakr, again, it's the allies of Rasulullah, Khuza'ah. They started the fire by agitating Banu Bakr, again, it's Khuza'ah. They aided them with horses, weapons. Khuza'ah were there only to pray. They killed him. Khuza'ah pleaded for mercy. They talked about the sacredness of the place. They told Banu Bakr, we've entered the sacred place. We have entered the sacred place. Consider your God. Consider your God. Unmoved, unmoved by their plea, Banu Bakr said, there is no God today. There is no God today. You're going to die. They killed many of them. One of them was Amr ibn Salim al khuzai He managed to flee. He arrived in Medina, and he asked, he told Rasulullah sallallahu wa about what happened, and Rasulullah sallallahu wa became furious, became really angry, and he says, "Nusirta Amr ibn Salim." He said, "Sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you have gained help, O oh Amr. You have gained help. May Allah subhanahu wa taala not help me if I don't help you." And Rasulullah sallallahu told people, the Muslims to prepare for revenge. See, every international civil law gives the person the right to defend himself. As a matter of fact, let me show you something. There is a website called the American Society of International Law. It's a book, the article number 26. It says, according to international law, when two parties enter into a treaty, and one party violates the treaty, the other party has no, is no longer bound by the conditions of that treaty. Also, there is the Vienna Convention in 1980. You can find that online as well. That's what I, I'm looking at right now. 1980, in that convention from the United Nations. It says, if if, if you look at article number 60, it says, it says exactly the same thing. When one party violated a treaty, the other party has the right to terminate that treaty and is no longer bound by the condition of that treaty. So when the Messenger of Allah does it, it's not good. It's haram. You know, he is all kind of things that people call him all kind of names that Rasulullah was accused of. But if somebody else does it, he is actually fighting for liberty and freedom. And some Muslims, it's unfortunately some Muslims they say, Well the Prophet should have just should have just forgave these people. Well well guess what? This is exactly what happened. When Banu Bakr, the allies of Quraysh, when Quraysh helped them against the allies of Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam, and they went to ask Rasulullah sallallahu wa for for help, and Rasulullah sallallahu wa said, "You've gained help." The ayah came down. The ayah that we recited in the beginning killed them wherever they are. You can find it everywhere online. Just just write the verse, and you'll see hundreds, thousands of websites attacking Islam and Muslims, telling people what is the Qur'an, promotes violence. Here's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa violent person. But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa forgave them. He didn't do any of the things that the ayah He didn't kill them, he didn't ambush them, he didn't attack them. He arrived in Medina, and that was Fath Makkah. Remember when Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala called the Hilf, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, a victory? When Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was way back from Mecca to Medina after he signed the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala revealed "Inna fatahna laka fat-han Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala gave the good news to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he will enter Mecca. When he arrived in Mecca Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, What are you gonna do to us? Or he asked him, What do you, what do you think I'm gonna do to you? And they said, Well Akun Kareem, you know Ibn Kareem, you're a noble person and a son of a noble person. And Rasulullah said to them, fa antum al are freediga. He didn't remind him with their treachery. He didn't remind him that they broke a peace treaty with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wa and they killed his allies. He didn't remind him with the twenty years of war fighting Rasulullah sallallahu wa in battles, killing companions, his companions, killing some of his family members. He didn't remind him with any of this. He said, If you're free to go. You are free to go. Some scholars, they said that this verse abrogated all the verses that came before about peace, forgiveness, forbearance and mercy. And this is not true. Imam Suyuti he discussed this ayah in relation to all the ayat about peace, about forgiving them, about being forbearant with them. And he said that each ayah has a specific context and applicability. Imam in his book, Al-Burhan Fi Ulum Al-Qur'an, he said that some of the commentators of the Quran were incorrect in understanding that this verse abrogated all the verses of peace and mercy and forbearance. He says because abrogation entails a complete termination of a legal ruling, and never again to be implemented. And he said this is definitely not the case with these verses, the, first, the verses about peace and forgiving. The vast majority of the Mufassireen, the commentators like Imam al-Baydawi, Nasafi, Razi, uh, Az-Makhshari and others, they said that the verse, this verse, so called the verse of the sword, deals specifically with the Meccan polytheist. After breaking covenant with Rasulullah and declaring war against Rasulullah so the ayah commands the Muslim to take up arms and defend themselves against those who broke their covenant and attacked them out of treachery. That has been confirmed with the vast majority of all the scholars and all the mufassirin. There's also a hadith in Sahih Bukhari or Muslim. The Rasulullah said قالوها, Rasulullah said, I was ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fight people until they testify that there is no God but Allah and I am the Messenger of Allah. And if they do, if they establish salah, pay their zakah, they'll be safe from me. This is a hadith also that all the, I mean, uh, our fans, they quote this hadith as well and they, and they show it to people and they tell people, here's a proof that Islam is quote unquote the religion of peace. This hadith extremely misinterpreted as calling to holy war. Again, it's all non-Muslims until and unless they become Muslims. But the scholarly interpretation is completely different. It reveals that this hadith, this hadith, has nothing to do with war. This hadith does not encourage Muslims to go out and fight people who are not Muslims. This hadith does not encourage holy or unholy wars. And the key to understand this hadith is to understand who is meant by the word people in the hadith. I was commanded to fight people. The hadith has different actually different narration. For example, in Sunan al-Nisa'i, it reads I was commanded to fight the polytheist. And it's well-known fact in hadith methodology. If you have different narration of one hadith, it's there to serve the clarity of the actual meaning of that hadith. So Imam al-Nisa'i, his opinion is that hadith is only only for the polytheist. Abu Hanifa he said that the hadith applies only to the polytheists in Arabia. Imam Malik even narrowed it down and he says, only the polytheists of Mecca, who broke treaties with Rasulullah who attacked the messenger of Allah ﷺ, and killed his allies. I was approached a week ago, some of the brothers and sisters were Muslims and they actually asked me to shed light on this verse one of the sisters said that her family or her family are not muslims she's the only muslim and, and, and uh, you know they been talking to her about Islam and you know and we really as muslims we should have mercy towards one another especially to our brothers and sisters who recently converted to Islam because it's not easy you know it's not easy it's not easy to be in a family or in a place where you are the only Muslim and all your friends and your family members are attacking you, attacking you, your religion. So we have to have mercy on our brothers and sisters. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about this verse and this hadith to just clarify a lot of misconceptions that we hear here and there about our religion. But how should we deal with texts like that? Say that the average Muslim, you just read in Quran or read in the Hadith, and you come across something like that. Well, first of all, first of all, I have no doubts that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is merciful. That Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is just. I have no doubts that the message of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is a prophet of mercy, prophet of mercy. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala called him as a prophet of mercy and came to perfect the manners. Immanuel yourself with La Ikraha Fiddi. No compulsion in a religion. That's a verse in the Quran. Whoever wants to believe, let him be. Let him be. And whoever wants to disbelieve, let him be. You're not God. He's not going to be standing before you in the last day, and you're not the one that who's going to ask him. It is up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't know. So let him be. Remind yourself with the mercy of the message of Allah sallallahu the the ayat about rahmah in the Quran. لتقى, if he forgive, that's closer to righteousness. Rasulullah sallallahu said, shouldn't I tell you about the qualities for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise your places in Jannah? They said, bala ya Rasulullah. He said, sallallahu to forgive those who oppress you, to give those who withheld from you, to keep ties to those who cut you off. That's Islam, it's hard. This is Islam, if you really want to attain this relationship with Allah, if you really want to attain this highest level, it's, it's not easy. You have to go through all this. And remind yourself with all the things that the Prophet and his companions, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, went through. The second thing, the third thing, is to ask. Say, did you read something in the Qur'an? read the hadith, and you don't really understand the meaning of the hadith, or it doesn't make sense to you. Don't close the Quran and say, well you know what, it's wrong because it doesn't make sense to me. No, ask. It's not haram to ask. Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam he himself asked Allah, كيف How can you resurrect the dead? He said that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Didn't she believe?" He said, "Qala bala. I just want to to satisfy my own understanding. Well, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala didn't say didn't say something like, "How dare you?" Or you know, better than that. You're you're the Khalil of Allah. You're the friend of Allah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala actually showed him how he resurrects the dead. So ask, "Innaa dawa al as Rasulullah said, that the cure for ignorance?" To ask. The cure for ignorance is to ask. Don't run off and say, well, that hadith doesn't make sense to me, so it's not true. No, ask. 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 Our religion is a rational religion, it has an answer for everything that you might have in your head. Ask. Ask questions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide you to the right answer.